Well, when I walked in today, um, a little bit ago, Daniel reminded me, he says, Josh, there's not no shave November anymore, dude, okay? But this is just a couple days, all right? This is not no shave, this is just a couple days worth. No, I'm just kidding, totally not. The truth is, I wish, like, every time no shave November comes around, how many of you guys participated in no shave November, or at least gave a shot? I see some beards out there. All right, representing. Some of your wives are like, you know, forget it. Uh, I always try, like, I'm like, okay, I might try to do this for a little while, but the truth is, after even, like, a week, I start to get tired of it. I'm like, you know, I don't get past that really uncomfortable stage that you have to get through to actually have, like, a solid beard, and so the truth is, I'm just, like, wannabe beard guy. I'm, I'm totally an imposter. Like, I walk into Rural King, and I'm, like, try to act real rugged, and they're, like, like, sniff me out. Like, that dude's an imposter. Like, he's... That, that's not a beard, you know, and so I just, I, I've never really tried to go full beard, but I've always wanted to have an awesome beard, like one of those beards that, like, you get issued, like, three extra man cards because your beard game is, like, so, like, on point, um, and I thought about it, I was like, you know who has, like, whose beard game is, like, on point? Um, it's the guy, the boys from Duck Dynasty, you know what I'm talking about? And as we start Christmas Dynasty, I thought, well, what perfect way to kind of kick off a series based out of um, the, based off of this idea of, of dynasty and thinking about the Duck Dynasty boys and their beards. And I thought if I really like could have that beard, what would it look like? And so I found an app that, and you guys are going to download this, I know it. Uh, there's an app that actually is called Duck Dynasty Beard Booth. And so you shoot a picture of yourself and now all of a sudden you got a beard, the beard that you've always wanted. And so I just want to show you a picture. This is what I would look like with the Duck Dynasty beard. If my wife was in here, you would have heard a little cat call, I think, maybe. Not really, no. She would have been like, mm-mm, don't do it. It's like kind of almost Moses-like, like, let my people go. Like, you could just, you know, picture it, sort of. Still a wannabe. But anyway, so I, was like, I had some fun. So let's, I, I forcibly made other people participate by stealing their photos. Here's Stephen and Hannah at the airport getting ready to go to El Salvador. You know, I think they're going to stick out a little bit while they're there. You know, but nothing says America like a, like a big old Duck Dynasty beard, right? And uh, so... Here's uh, Rob and Shawnee at one of their, they were singing worship today. Now you guys aren't going to be able to like even like focus on the last song. You're like, what would they look like with there? This is what they look like with a beard, you know? Rob's got kind of a little Crowder thing going on, David Crowder action. And uh, so, so there you are, all bearded up. And then this one's like a throwback Thursday. <laughs> you may kiss the, whoa, well, you know, like, uh, <laughs> bearded. Well, that's awesome. And I love Adams is like just straight like out, like that's. Um, so, so there you go. Play with that. Um, send some pictures to your friends with the Duck Dynasty beard booth. Well, if you think about the Duck Dynasty, it really is marked by its beards. But when you think about the Christmas Dynasty, and if you've ever paid attention to, I know you don't typically sit down with your like Christmas devotions and be like, all right, Matthew one genealogy, right? Like that's what I'm studying today. Let's walk through the names here of the genealogy that leads up to Jesus. But that's exactly what we're doing during this series, all right? So you're like, you probably don't study that because it could very quickly put you to sleep. I'm actually not going to read the whole thing either because it could very quickly put you to sleep, which is not a good practice for a pastor to lead in with something like that. And so, but the cool thing, if you think about the Matthew 1 dynasty, and what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the Christmas dynasty is this is the line um, that gave way to Jesus Christ, our Messiah. And so Matthew 1 starts off in a way to say this is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. And when you look at this, and I'm not going to read it to you right now, but go home. You know, it's a good one to read right before bed. Um, but if, if you want to read this, um, you're going to see some interesting things in this dynasty. 
You're going to see prostitutes. You're going to see liars. You're going to see cheaters. You're going to see adulterers. You're going to see ruthless individuals. You're going to see murderers. You're going to see betrayers. You're going to see um, incest in this family line. And some of you thought, man, my fa- I thought my family tree was messed up. Um, Jesus' family tree is riddled with dysfunction, which is interesting. Because it's not quite what you would expect for the one that would become the savior of the world to come through such a corrupt and dysfunctional uh, background. But what I love about this is it's a powerful reminder for all of us. And if I could just capture the series in a phrase, it would be this. God brings deliverance through dysfunction. God brings deliverance through dysfunction. He brought our greatest deliverance through dysfunction. And that's really the heart of this series. Each week we're going to trace back a different ancestor of Jesus. We're going to look at their story and see how God's grace came through the messiest and most devastating and most disheartening and challenging of situations and people. And so today we're going to start from the top. It says that this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and Abraham. And so today we're going to look at the story of Abraham, specifically a moment in time that was probably one of the most, it was the most devastating and disheartening periods of time for a man named Abraham. Now, if you remember Abraham, you remember he's the guy that God uh, made this just ginormous promise to, right? He says, listen, I am going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to bless you in such a way that your descendants are going to be more than the the stars in the sky, more than the sand on the seashore. That's how much I'm going to bless you. And not only going to bless you in that way, I'm going to bless the entire world, the entire earth through you. And this is the promise that he makes to Abraham. One small problem. Abraham doesn't have a single descendant, let alone you know, anywhere to begin this process of all of these descendants. And so there's a big question mark when it comes to the how, but God says, here's the promise. And so this is Abraham, and this is his story. All the people on, on the earth will be blessed through you. And so Abraham waited for that, right? He waited for it. He waited for it. And God makes this promise to him, gives him a picture of this, um, but he has to wait. I don't know how many of you guys are, how many of you guys are, uh, when it comes to Christmas shopping, you're done. You're, you're like good to go. All, it all happened on Black Friday, you got it done. What, what about Cyber Monday? Some of you rocked out your Christmas shopping Cyber Monday. That's my style, although I wouldn't have been that much ahead of the game. How many of you guys, if you're just honest, you know it's going to be the week of Christmas, if not the day before Christmas? All right. These, first, this is my people right here. It's like first hour, they were all like, we're done. Like, cool. I'm like, awesome. I'm a horrible person. Um, but glad to know that we have some other folks that wait to the very last minute. So you guys will relate to this idea. Sometimes I get the perfect gift in mind. I've got it all figured out. I've got, you know, it takes that long to sometimes decide, right? Like you want to wait. to. So I just wait over the period of the month. And now I got it in my head what I'm going to get. And I go to purchase that thing and it's fresh out, right? Like because, or it's too late to get that delivery, even that prime delivery, unless I'm going to pay for that way extra uh, like charge where they deliver it with like a drone to my house. I'm not going to do that. And so I'm like, okay, cool. We got to wait five to seven business days. Christmas is coming gone. And so what do you do? You print off a little piece of paper that has a picture on it. And then you wrap that picture up and they open the box and they're like, oh, cool, sweet piece of paper. Awesome. You know, and what is this? And you're like, that's what you're getting. Like, that's the gift. Like, it's coming five to seven business days from now, maybe two weeks, though, depending on the holiday traffic. But it's coming. You're going to get that gift. And so you're just so excited about giving that gift. But the gift is not yet there. But what the piece of paper is, is it's like, check out the promise. Here's the promise. Now wait for the gift. Right. And so God makes this incredibly large, enormous unlikely impossible promise to Abraham and he says all right but here's the picture of it but it's not you got to wait 
You're going to have to wait for it. In fact, he waited, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited. And Abraham wasn't until he was 100 years old before he first, he got his first descendant, let alone, you know, the stars in the sky, all of that kind of stuff. He got one, and that was Isaac. And, and so, God, this was the, the, the child that God had promised him. That brings us up to where we're going to start today. And that's where things get messier before they get all clean and tidy. And I think that the, the, if I really could kind of give you an idea for this first day, um, I, I think what I want to invite you into is the truth that all of us are messy. We're all messy, right? When we look at our stories, when we look at our families, we're all messy. If we're really honest with ourselves, we might have a messy past or maybe the current situation is messy. Uh, but we are no strangers to making messes. We are no strangers to living in the middle of messes. And here's the beauty. Here's the first truth that I really want to offer up to you today and I want you to grab hold of. And it's this. God can bless any mess. God can bless any mess. That's the Christmas story. And so we see Abraham, we see his story unfolding, we see that things are messy and chaotic and confusing. Finally, he gets this gift, and then as we step into uh, chapter 22 today, we're going to see something strange start to happen in Abraham's story, and it's really confusing and disheartening when you think about what Abraham's already been through. And so in chapter 22, starting in verse 1 through 8, uh, I'm going to read that to you, um, and you can read along in your scripture. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering uh, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Wait a minute. Hold on. What did you say? Um, so, and then here's Abraham's response. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both of them went on together. Now, just imagine this for just a second, right? Like, how confusing is this? God, I waited for so long for this descendant. I waited so long even to get kind of the first part of this promise. And now, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to do? And now, we get to read sort of how this unfolds. So we have the advantage of that, right? That we know God was never intending uh, to let Abraham follow through. This was a test to see how faithful Abraham was. But Abraham doesn't know that. All he knows is, wow, this is... What, what are you asking, God? This is impossible. How, how? But he responds faithfully. And I just can't even imagine that. God, you promised this can't be how this was supposed to go. And we understand this, don't we? We can resonate with this feeling of this is way too messy. This can't be your plan. This can't be the way that this was supposed to go. And we find ourselves in these messes all the time. My son Aiden, he's been like, like lately, this dude just like loves to clean. Like he's like all about cleaning stuff. Like he'll clean like the whole downstairs. And he'll be like, Dad, can I clean? Like, yeah, go ahead and clean, man. Like you knock yourself out on that cleaning stuff. And so he does. He'll clean everything up. And I'll be like, wow. And he'll come show. I want everybody to say, guys, look at how clean it is in here. Like, look, and that's all put away, and that's all put away. And, um, and it's funny. It's like, yeah, that's all clean. But I'm like, where did it go to? Like where? 
And uh, so you know how it is. Some of you, and he gets this from me, I'll, I'll admit. But when you clean a room, you just stuff everything somewhere else, right? Like, as long as it's not this room, I clean this room, I'm going to stuff it all in another place. And so we do that a lot at Stephen's office around here. Like, we're just like, everything, just put everything in there, you know, just to mess with him. But then you find some closet, you open it up, and just junk is just falling out on top of you. And you're like, okay, well, that really didn't take care of the mess. It was just more managing the mess. And, uh, and so this is what we do a lot. And Jesse's like, that doesn't count, like it's cleaning, you know. Um, but for him, we're like, good job. You're getting, you know, you're getting it. You'll figure it out. Um, but we do this a lot, right? We do this mess management stuff. We try to move the mess around. We try to hide the mess. Like, if you just can't see how messy my life is, how messy things are, then we'll just pretend like it's not there. Um, so we do this. We move the mess around. We manage the mess. But if we really want to see this truth at work in our lives, that God can bless any mess, God doesn't want us to take the mess and be like, I'm going to manage it. I got this, right? And sometimes what we do is we allow Jesus to take care of that initial mess and deliver us from uh, our sin and brokenness and and you name it. But then we kind of take hold of the situation again and we manage the messes that come up after that. Because he was our deliverer, but he's not our sustainer. But we we see this differently with Abraham. We see, all right, I don't know how this is going to unfold, but here's what I'll do. I will release control of this messy situation. I will put this back into your hands and let you take it. It's a question mark as to how that promise is coming along, but I'm going to trust you. Um, in the middle of this mess. So God can bless any mess. He wants to bless your mess. But it starts with you saying, all right, God, here, take it. Take this situation. Take this decision. Take this thing that maybe has just followed me from my past. Take this thing that I'm dealing with right now that nobody else knows about. That I just, I don't know what to do with it. I don't even know how to bring that conversation up to ask for help on this. But God, I need you to take this mess. It doesn't mean that we get to grab hold of it and control it. It means we release it. We let God. And sometimes, you know how it goes. you got to hand that thing back over daily. You're like, all right, I tried to manage the mess again. God, take the mess. <laughs> I want your solution to this. I don't want um, my management of this. Um, so we invite God into that process. As we continue to read on here um, in verse 8 um, and forward, it says, it says, Abraham said, um, so, so Isaac asks the question, first of all. He poses a very important question. And Isaac said to his father, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Well, this is awkward, you know. This is a tough moment. I mean, can you imagine? He's asking this question. And he's starting to realize, wait, something isn't quite adding up here. And so now Isaac realizes something's off. And Abraham said, and I love Abraham's response, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in, in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar. I mean, can you imagine? On top of the wood, then Abraham reached out his hand. He took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, behind him was the ram caught in the thicket by his horns. The lamb that he knew, that he believed God for, that he knew that the offering would be provided. And, and that's, man, I, I just can't even imagine the roller coaster ride of emotion that's happening as they're having this conversation, as they're walking along, and, 
And Abraham's ready to step out, trusting, just like he said, God himself will provide the lamb, my son. And that's a level of trust. That's a level of trust that I wish that I could say that I have. I don't know what I would do in that situation. And so we have to learn how to trust the process, right? God offers a promise, but we must trust the, pro- the, the, the process because God's promise is a process. I mean, if you know that, it doesn't just come overnight. You don't just be like, all right, cool, this is just, it's here, you know. It's like a, a Christmas present, and it's just here all at once. It doesn't happen that way, that God's promise is a process. And here's the other thing I would tell you, that God not only wants to fulfill his promise, he also wants to form his people. God cares about forming his people. He cares about forming you and me. And we receive that by living in a way of trust, trusting the process. There's two words for faith in, in the, the scriptures, and one of them is, um, and Randy Rose shared this with our 215 group, and it's been challenging me um, ever since. Um, but the words are, uh, one is a belief that. This is a mental assent to something. Like, I, I believe that. I believe that, I believe that truth. Um, I believe this thing. And so in my mind, I've accepted this as true, right? This is a belief that. But then there's what we see here um, with Abraham, and that is not just believe that, but it's believe in it. It's not only do I have a mental um, understanding of that and belief of that, but now I'm willing to trust in that. I actually believe it and I trust in it. Another example would be, um, I certainly believe that eating Christmas cookies and candy is not good for me, but I don't trust in that. In fact, I've had like, you know, so much sugar over even the first couple weeks of December, like I should just shut it down now. But I believe that that's not good for me, but I don't trust in that truth. Does that make sense? And so here we see Abraham, not only does he believe that God is good, not only does he believe that God will provide the lamb, but he's willing to step out in faith knowing that God will. That's a level of trust. And so the question is, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God will provide? Do you believe that God will take your mess and bless your mess? Or do you actually actively believe in that and walk that truth out on a day-to-day basis? Because there is a significant difference. And sometimes this just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense because sometimes um, God leads, leads us right into the heart of the storm where things get messier before they get better, and we go to the very place that we don't want to go, and God takes us to that place because God, again, he doesn't want to just fulfill his promise to you. He wants to form his people. He wants to form us in his image. Uh, we got this, this uh, past year, one of the coolest gifts I've, I've gotten recently because I love to grill uh, is a charcoal grill. And uh, it's this big old like um, ceramic grill. It's literally my Christmas present for like the next six years. Um, but I'm, I'm so excited about it and I just love it. And I've been using it all summer long. I got it early, which is exciting. And uh, so I got to use it all summer. Um, but the difference between that kind of grill and a grill where you're just like cool propane on, like flip the switch, boom, fire. Although my switch is like always broken. It's like you got to hit that thing. Why does this switch not work? Like it never works. So then you got to go matches and like, you know, try to not to sear your hand off. But, um, but it's a quicker process when you get that grill going, right? Get some burgers up, ready to go, let's eat, right? But I keep having to like remind my family that like, 
y'all got to trust the process here. Like with this new grill, like it's going to taste good. This is going to be some of the best meat you've tasted, but it might take eight to ten hours. Like it's not, we're not pulling, you know, and like we're hungry though. Well, you sh- I should have started it early, but we got to wait, right? Because I can't just freak the temperature up. That'll overcook the meat. It'll be tough and it'll just be pointless. So just trust the process here, you know. Walk with me. We can't rush this thing, you know. And so at the end of, you know, the two in the morning, we're like eating really good, delicious steaks and stuff. Um, but I've gotten better at this, right? I started earlier. And, uh, but I tell them all the time, you can't rush the process. And here, um, we see the same thing. Um, it works when it comes uh, to our lives in Christ and what he wants us to become. We can't rush that process. It's not an overnight process. In fact, James 1, 2 through 4 solidifies this. It says, consider it, hold on, listen, pure joy. Okay, ready? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You want me to take joy in my trials? Here's why. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not only does God want to fulfill the promise, he wants to form his people, and we have to trust that process. And so here, God walks along with Abraham through this difficult situation so that he could continue to mature him, but also bring his promise about in Abraham's life. God's promise is a process. We have to trust that process. Easier said than done, right? And you know people that are just so good at this. And I know, I, I've always struggled to be like, man, like I see people that are going through difficult things. And I'm like, how do they do that? How do they navigate that? And one such person is... Um, my, my aunt Lois, it's actually my mom's aunt, so figure that out, but um, that she's, I just consider her my aunt, and you just walk up to Aunt Lois, and anytime you're around her, she's like one of those people, I just want to stand next to you, because like, there's just like, you're just emitting peace, like I just, give me some more of that peace, like I just love being in your presence, you bring joy and peace, and it's such an amazing thing, because you look at Aunt Lois, and you'd be like, you know, her life must have been cupcakes, you know, if she's just, she's always so joyful, things are always so good, but that's not true, she lost a daughter in, in her 20s to cancer, she has two daughters right now with cancer, she has a husband that's now facing a very very difficult situation and devastating situation and so every we had thanksgiving with them just this past week and my mom's like calling me to let me know about this because they always have me pray for dinner and uh you know so she's like i just want to give you a heads up there's a lot going on right now and uh but aunt lois with all of that coming in she walks in late because she's at the hospital with her husband she walks in late and i'm telling you there's nothing but peace just rolling off of this woman my kids are running all around all chaotically and it's just pure chaos and confusion and she's just like oh boy you know aren't those boys just such a blessing aren't they such a joy and she puts her arm around me and i'm just like so moved by this and i'm like i don't need to be the one praying like she needs to be the one praying why you guys ask me to pray like this woman is the woman that needs to be praying but we just spend some time together we come around uh, this circle and what I've learned from Aunt Lois is this and what I've learned about our family is this and this is what I tell them I said listen let's acknowledge there's a lot of difficult things this year uh, going on in in our family Uh, but here's what I know about this family that this family's strength does not come from ourselves this family's strength does not come from us, and we've lived that way. We believe that. And so we spent some time in prayer from that. Aunt Lois just gives me this big old hug, and I'm just thinking, man, this is one of the strongest women that I've ever known. She's had one of the strongest faiths that I've ever seen. And it's not just a belief that. It's not just a belief that God is good. It's not just a belief that God will deliver. It's not just a belief that even though things are messy and chaotic and confusing, that God is still at work, that God is still carrying out his promises to us. She believes in that. 
And she's continued to transfer that legacy on. And I've even been uh, able to, to receive the joy and blessing of, of a faith like that. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do you trust in the Lord in that kind of a way where you truly believe in that, not just believe that God is good? The last thing I'll tell you today is this. Seize the promise. Not only do you need to trust the process, but you need to seize the promise. And here we see this um, in verse 14 through 15, 14 through 19. It says, so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. Um, sorry, next verse. Um, come back here. Um, verse 19. It says, so Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together. Uh, I'm like off the, the mark here. Oh, there, it was 15. All right. And, and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, as the sand is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Does that promise sound familiar? That's the same promise right there that God is reinforcing, right? To say, listen, I'm going to carry this out. And because you have responded obediently, because you have trusted in me, you're going to see this promise fulfilled. I'm going to multiply a blessing in your life like you never could have imagined Abraham. And so he speaks this truth to him. And this is a promise for him to take hold of. And I just got to imagine that, man, can you imagine that walk back, the relief back? And maybe some questions from Isaac, like, were you really? And, yeah, okay. Um, you know, like tight hugs and love and, oh, my goodness, like God is so good. And, uh, man, I just can't imagine just the relief that would have come and how tightly he would have grabbed hold of Isaac and start to understand God is bringing deliverance through my line. God is going to do something great still trusting him each step of the way. And so that blessing that it speaks of, and in your offspring, all the nations will be blessed. That blessing coming through his family tree was born in a manger, and today we celebrate, this season we celebrate, our Savior being born in the town of Bethlehem. And Luke 10 through 14 announces this good news. Uh, as we fast forward over the years, it says, I will bring you, I, I bring you today good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this, this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snuggly, wrapped snuggly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. I love that. That's the New Living Translation's got snuggly in there. Like I, that, that's that's awesome. I bring you good news that will be great joy for all the people. This is the fulfillment of that promise. And friends, what I want to tell you today as we start this series, as we think about grace and the messiness, um, that promise is yours. You've got to take hold of that promise. You've got to seize that promise. That you can take hold of the promise that you too can have redemption. You too can have hope. You too can have healing by the way of Jesus. But you've got to take hold of that promise. You've got to seize that promise. You see, God spared Abraham's son that day, but it foreshadowed our Savior, God's own son, who would volunteer to die as a sacrifice once and for all people, conquering death that we might live. This is the gospel. This is the Christmas story. 
This is the promise that we need to take hold of. And I love the words of Isaiah foretelling the promise of Christ and the promise for, the, for God's people in verse 61, chapter 61, verse 3. It says, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for your ashes. Anybody need that? A joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Man, you imagine that? And some of you are like, I see the ashes. How's God going to bring beauty out of this? Maybe you can't quite see that yet, but God desires to bring beauty from the ashes. He desires to bring a joyous blessing from your mourning. I just want to close today sharing a bit of a personal, a very personal story uh, for us of a time that we walked through, that we saw this truth uh, at work in our own lives. And um, so after Aiden was born, you know, a, a little bit after that, a couple years after that, we started to think about, okay, let's have, you know, let's try, try again, you know. And so um, as we were kind of um, preparing and praying for that and getting excited and anticipating that, uh, we found out that indeed Jess was pregnant, that we were going to have uh, another child, and we were so excited about this, right? Like just so much anticipation, so much excitement, uh, so much joy. And as we uh, continued to, to kind of go to those appointments, we found out um, that um, o- over time that, um, that we, we had lost the baby. And uh, it was a difficult season. You don't understand things like that, right? You don't, there's not really good answers for things like that. And so um, we had all those questions. Like, okay, God, I, I don't quite understand. Like, we still trust you, but, but help us make sense of all of this. Like, what are you going to do with this? And, you know, it, it's very much a very real loss, and, and you deal with that. And Jess dealt with it, and we had a long season of kind of walking through this. Like, okay, I, I, don't, I don't quite know, um, God, what you're going to do with this. And... Uh, so in the middle of all of that, we planted this tree in the backyard to memorialize um, what we had lost. And um, so every day we, get to, we see that tree. We see um, just this reminder of loss and difficulty. Um, but every day I get to hold this little guy and be reminded of the truth that I just read to you, that God can bring beauty from the ashes. And I just can't even begin to tell you just what an incredible joy um, this boy has been in my life, and I never could have, I never could have understood that. He never could have told me like this is how this is going to work out. And but God is good. God brought beauty out of the ashes. God, God brought joy from the morning. And uh, yeah, that's right. Tell him. And his name is Elias. And uh, you guys know this. His name is Eli, but it means Elias, and it means yeah, that's right. <laughs> he likes the mic. Um, and it means Yahweh, uh, my God is Yahweh. My God is Yahweh. And uh, I just think about that every time I hold him. I'm like, man, this, his name means my God is Yahweh. That, that it's the same God that was, um, that was true to Abraham up on the mountain. It's the same God um, that came to us in a manger. It's the same God that, that we have access to that has made himself accessible to us, right? And so God wants to bring beauty through the ashes. Uh, for you as well. And I love the opportunity to get to pray, uh, pray with you. Um, if, if you're in the middle of a mess right now and you're like, I don't, I don't see the way out, um, 
God's people come together and pray in those moments. And so um, love the opportunity to get to, he's all done. He tells me that all the time. I'm all done. All right, I'll give him back. See you, buddy. You'll be hanging out in the back, and uh, come grab me. If I can pray for a mess that you're in the middle of, that you need deliverance from, uh, that you need some hope, um, let's pray. God is good. It's the same God. He's the same God yesterday, today, tomorrow. It's the same God. He's still bringing hope. He's still breathing life. Um, he's still bringing beauty from the ashes. And so uh, let me pray for us. We're going to sing a song that is all about that. One of my favorite songs talking about dry bones coming to life, uh, that in the name of Jesus we can receive that promise. God, thank you so much uh, for today. And uh, I'm just grateful for the gospel. I'm grateful for the Christmas story. It's a story that never gets old, God, that you take messy people like us, that you step down into our mess, that you step down into the mess of humanity, into the mess of our lives, God, and you meet us in those places, and you bring hope and deliverance from our greatest dysfunction, God. Thank you so much. I'm just thankful, God, that I don't have to clean myself up to come to you. I can come just with an open heart that acknowledges the mess and say, God, I need your help. I need your deliverance. So I just pray for anybody today, God, that has never made that decision to receive you, God. I pray that, that you would draw them today, that they might make a decision to put their trust in you and trust in your promise uh, today. I pray for people that are going through difficult uh, seasons of life, unknowns, unknown futures, Messy family situations, God, we pray, um, God, that in the middle of those things, God, that we could see the beauty on the other side. You would bring beauty from our ashes, God, that you would give us a joyous blessing in exchange for our mourning, God. So, God, we sing here and we celebrate here with a celebration knowing, God, that you have delivered us, God, that you have done it by the power of your cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.